And today we are talking all things pets and it seems as though we're going to have quite a bit of behavioural type things coming along. Dr Bob with us and what's your special topic today? Today I'm going to be talking about um, territorial aggression, so guard dog types trying to defend their yard and that sort of thing. Ooh. Okay, and Julie Tolliday joins us as well. And Julie, you've got a special guest coming along a little later on. Yes, Jane, I'm going to talk I'm going to talk to Rose Horton, who's the senior animal behaviorist at the Animal Welfare League, and we're going to talk about why dogs are surrendered and what we can do to help them once they've been surrendered. This is Pet Chat on 2NURFM. And Dr. Bob, your topic today is territorial aggression. Yes, it's just really interesting the way animals protect their beds and uh, their owners when they're out on walks, the pram, the, the bike or whoever you're with. Um, sometimes the home, if there's two um, footpaths, so if you're on a corner block, it means the animal's going to be more likely to be a bit defensive. If you can keep it away from those um, places where it can practice running up and down the fence and barking and being silly, um, especially at the busy times of day like school times and people going to work or coming home. Some people unfortunately live on walkways and so it means that you've got lots more people walking past. Dogs tend to react to other dogs that are out walking. There could be a bit of jealousy involved, but, but often it's just telling them don't come too close to my yard. Some animals um, will actually be defensive of the not only the front of their yard, but either house either side. So if you are bringing your pet home from a walk, don't let him off the lead until you are inside and safe because they can actually want to defend uh, someone walking out of their own front door. So you've got to be really carefully about those sorts of things. Uh, as I said before, guard dogs are more likely to be a bit territorial because it is a deep brain instinct that we're we've trained and genetically bred them to do over time. So be careful about the breed choice that you make. If they are being a bit rude, put them on lead, keep them at a distance from the uh, possible trigger of what might be getting them aroused and excited and ask them to be calm. Breathe deeply. The more calm you are, the more it feeds back to the animal to be sensible. They don't have to be worried. Unfortunately, when we see the animal reacting, we tend to go, and the more we get worried or wondering what's going to happen, the more the animal reacts to us. So, um, yeah, we'll catch on that a bit later too. But, um, yeah, be very careful about animals and how they greet visitors as well. So put them on leave, keep them at a distance from people until you know whether there's a personality clash or not. Just a question about the dogs walking along the other side of the fence along the street. They're not barking out of aggression? Are they barking out of defensiveness? They're sort of teasing, if you like. I'm outside and I'm, I'm going for a wander and the other ones are inside and, and they're sort of letting people know that they're there. But, yeah, it can be a bit of both depending on the personality of both animals and the people involved. So Pet chat and Julie Tolliday. We have a special guest now. We do. We have Rose Horton with us, and she's the senior animal behaviourist at the Animal Welfare League, primarily involved with these poor dogs that get surrendered and then people want to give them new homes. But as we've talked about, Rose, it's not quite as straightforward as that, is it? No, it's not. Hi, guys. Thanks very much for having me on. That's no, okay. it's not. It's not that straightforward, um, but it's it's quite an involved process of of getting dogs adopted and uh, and making sure that um, they are safe to the community as well as you know that we can adopt out as many dogs that come in. Yeah. So tell us a bit about like what in your experience, what are some main reasons that dogs are surrendered? 
look, we, we have two... Um, forms of intake. One is that they can come in through our inspectorate, so inspectors pick up cases of cruelty and neglect and then the other one is through private surrenders and they are owners who um, who can't look after them and reasons can be that they're moving or they can't afford to care for them um, sometimes personal issues like marriage breakups and, uh, and also the big one which is behavioural issues that they can no longer manage in their pet. Yes, and I, I, I'm just going to jump in and say quite often they come at about six months of age yeah. um, if they haven't had any early puppy intervention. That's right, and you know, um, you're know you spot on because often by six months of age they are at sexual maturity and no longer puppies and, and puppies get a lot of leeway with what people will put up with and now when the dog is six months it may be a, you know, a large German Shepherd or something now those behaviours that were cute when they were puppies are not so cute anymore. Absolutely. So you were telling me that you have an assessment process for when they when they come in. What sort of things do you look at for this you know new dog? You've never met them before. What do you look at? Um, again, it's, it's twofold. So one is uh, we want to make sure that they have a full uh, vet assessment, which is when they get a, a complete uh, once-over, uh, I guess, and um, we make sure that they're of um, a clean bill of health when they're ready to be adopted, but also um, this might be a good chance for us to do some other things, uh, maybe give them dentals and maybe fix um, various other lumps and bumps. But we always, always make sure that all of our um, dogs and cats go out dissexed, vaccinated, microchipped, worms and heartworms all under control as well. So they really have had the works. Great. But the the behaviour assessment is um, is also quite involved. So... The behaviour assessment is, it's two things, again. Uh, one is that it's a risk assessment. We want to make sure that this um, dog in particular is uh, safe, safe to itself, safe to staff while it's there and also safe to the community. But the yeah. next part of the behaviour assessment is really getting to know the actual dog in this case um, so that we can find out what it's like and uh, and hopefully then go on to rehome it to a suitable uh, home and lifestyle that fits in with its behaviour. Great. And so you, you would have a particular assessment tool. Can you tell us maybe two or three things that you actually put the dog through to, to check its temperament? Well, what we would like to do is how does it respond to, to people? Um, you know, what does it think when it meets a stranger or a nice person? And um, and how does it deal with handling? So other right. areas of sensitivity and, and, and what is its kind of reaction process? So if it doesn't like um, a person, what does it do? Does it just sit there and go, I hope this person goes away? Or does uh, it try to lunge and growl at yes. them? And yes. fear of people um, is, is a big one, especially mm. considering when we get dogs that have come in through our inspectorate Sometimes, sadly, that is something that a dog has learned and it's not a bad thing that it's learned because it's probably gotten it by the first stage of its life. But now we need to rehabilitate them so that they can go people aren't anything to be afraid of. Great. And you talk about rehabilitation. Does a dog, like, just fail the assessment or do you, do you roll on to rehab? No, everyone, every dog and cat, everything that comes through gets the opportunity to be rehabilitated. Um, assuming that it's, um, that it's, safe to do so Um, because that's something that the Animal Welfare League really prides themselves on which is that we we are fortunate enough to have the resources that go a lot into um, the rehabilitation and most animals are just a response to their genetics learning in the environment and um, we can 
Yeah, and we can understand sometimes why they are acting this way, but sometimes um, they've been given no training at all, so we can't blame them for sometimes not doing as well in the assessment as other dogs that have lived in a in a great environment. Yeah, absolutely, I, I agree wholeheartedly. And so, when you've put them through a rehab program and you go, "Well, this dog's probably good for rehoming," they're not squeaky clean, are they? Like people who are taking them on should know to expect maybe what sort of things. Yeah, look, I mean, sometimes I think it's a big misconception that, you know, um, animals from a shelter are all broken and damaged. And we certainly put a, a lot of work into them to, um, to at least start them off on the right path. But with, with some animals, it is, it is quite hardcore. They've been through a lot or they have a lot of learned behavior that they've been practicing for a long time. Yes. And, and we wouldn't expect them to recover or ever be fixed. Um, we, we hope that we can get them to a manageable level that a, a potential owner with suitable um, and, and experience, I guess, is the best way of dealing with, um, with certain behavioural problems. We make sure that we match them to the right person. That's great. And, I mean, I, I will say to people who've taken on rescue dogs, look, you know, there isn't a timeline on this. Our Maltese Shih Tzu that we had for 12 years, we didn't spend the first seven years going, what day is she ever going to come back when she's off the lead? We just had a life with her until she got through some milestones and it was very rewarding. Absolutely, and and I've had them as well, and, and again, you know, definitely getting them into their teenage years, and it is a lifelong management, um, I think, is the best way of thinking it. doesn't mean that it's going to be a headache forever, but um, I, I guess uh, myself and a lot of um, people in the, um, the behavioural world and training world, we never claim to fix things. We, we prefer to say that um, the behaviour is now manageable. So yes, I like that expression. Yes. Yeah, we, uh, we like to you know, uh, aim towards extinction, but most of the time, as long as people know, look, this dog has been through a lot. He's had you know, seven years under his belt of being very afraid of dogs, which means that he mm. might be known to be quite reactive. So how about you just manage it? Don't take him down to a dog park and let him off the lead straight away. And also to enlist the help of a professional trainer is something that a lot of people, I think everyone should do at least um, a few times in their dog's life. But with these ones, it's, um, it's a, I guess, a process that we deal with, which is we like to set up potential adopters or, or adopters with a support group in their area. A support group is generally what we like to think. Um, so that they know where are their nearest classes, where are some great people to hang out with that might be able to help out. Kind of like a mother's group. Yes, yes, support group, yes. Yeah. Well, thank you, Rose. That's been really informative, and um, I look forward to talking to you again another day. Oh, thanks very much. Yeah, I'd love that. Thanks, thanks Rose. See you then. Okay, Bye. see ya. And that was Rose Horton, who's the Senior Animal Behaviourist at Animal Welfare League. This is Pet Chat, and we are taking your calls and uh, we have a call coming through, and that is from Gail. Gail joins us from Toronto, and that's Toronto along the lake, I think. Have you got a question for our pet experts today, Gail? Yes, please. I have a two-and-a-half-year-old Cavalier King Charles, which I've had since a pup, and he's in the garage at night, and when he wants to get out in the morning, he scratches the door. Now, I've replaced the door, the wood on the door once, but now we're going through a second lot of wood. What can I do to stop him scratching at the door? Um, Gail, does it only happen when he wants to get out in the morning or does it happen when you put him in there at night as well? No, he goes to bed at night fine, but when he goes out the backyard and he wants to come back in, he scratches on the screen as well. Yeah, so he's sort of... 
sort of trained you to, 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 do, to react to that. So yeah, it has. On the inside of the garage door, it might be a good idea to put some perspex um, just uh, up to a metre or so so that you've actually got a, a, a more a tougher thing that he's scratching at. Calves are very sensitive animals. They're prone to a bit of anxiety. So it's important to make sure he's got security blanket, rub your hands and feet on, on that, put that in that um, special area he's got in the garage, um, leave a radio on low volume so that he's got some um, noises that mask the outside sounds because they do pick up on a lot of nocturnal activity, bats, cats and other um, animals that are running around at night. So it can yeah. be a bit distressing for them. Um, yeah. And the other important thing is to make sure they get lots of activity through the day so it's, it's focused mental and physical challenge. So yeah. they actually yeah. have to um, sit and stay and drop, then a bit of play and run around, then sit and be sensible again. The more we do that, the more they feel as though they've had relationship time with us and then they're able to settle and then they get to play around and be silly and then it's time to calm down again. Leaving a few toys in the garage is um, good. Um, one yep. good thing about a calf, I guess, is that they're not too tall and they uh, hasn't started scratching at the cars. No, just the door jam and the door. Just the exit, yeah. So just an is- uh, issue with separation things. So just help him to be a bit more calm, practice those yep. basic self-control training with treats or long, slow massage stroke and hopefully uh, he'll uh, just feel a little bit more settled. But uh, he's the only pet you've got? No, I've now got my daughter's um, schnauzer, and they play lunatic asylum all day. Good. And he goes down at night with his covered in a blanket and his toy, and he's got a basket full of toys. Good. But when he wants to get out or get in, he's yeah. just unbelievable. Yeah, so um, the other thing you've got is some pheromone sprays that help to just calm them a little bit. Not perfect, oh, okay. but it just um, takes it takes it down a little notch to help them to be a bit more settled. If they're used to being in that confined space, perhaps through the day, um, putting them in there for a few five-minute bits as well. Just oh, okay. So they practice calming down and settling and being um, being good. Pet Chat, and we have Dr. Bob and Julie Tolliday um, here to talk about your pets. And if you've got any behavioural problems, this is a great time to ring up, but it's all right. They do talk about other things too. They know their way around a pet or two. Lang has rung in on 49216216 from Glendale. And Lang, you've got a problem with your cat, have you? That's right, yeah. And what seems to be the... Just two things. Um... The first thing is, the other night when uh, Missy, my cat, was in uh, asleep, I noticed that when I woke her up, she had this pus thing coming out of her eyes and she couldn't open her left eyes. And I washed it with water, soapy water. Can you tell me where that is? Do I need to say that? It was it just in one eye, Lang, or both eyes? Yeah, in one eye. It was like this pussy thing coming out of her eyes. Sometimes it can be that if they run into something or they've been... Um, um, ferreting around for dust bunnies underneath the bed or the lounge, they they get some um, something foreign in their eyes. So it's just a bit of warm water to flush out um, the gunk that might be there. If it yeah. does recur or if it does go in both eyes, then it's important to take it down to the vet. Eyes are very precious and we need to look after them. If you see any cloudiness in them or if they start to look red around the whites of the eye, around the, the um, cornea, then it's important to take them in straight away. Thing, I'm just curious why um, uh, my cat, like sometimes she's inside, but most of the time she goes out. What's, what's that sound? Is that a behavioural problem? Like, like 
Sorry, you're just breaking up a bit there. So sometimes she's in and sometimes she's out? Sometimes she stays inside and has a sleep, but most of the time she goes outside and hides. If she's hiding outside, there could be a few roaming cats around. She's a bit unsettled by that. Um, really, it's good to keep her inside all the time. Um, outside, they're more um, susceptible to misadventure, to getting into cat fights, to getting attacked by a dog, snakes, ticks, other nasty things that are outside. But if we do bring them in all the time, then it means we have to provide some environmental enrichment. So toys, um, things dangling off doorknobs and hiding bits of food in various places, on shelves and in places where they have to search for it. So it's important to keep them in if you can. If she is hiding when she's out, she's not happy about it. So she would be a happier animal if she was inside and didn't have to worry about those external stressors. She always meows to go outside. Yep, so we have to just interrupt and redirect, distract her back. Here's a bit of food, here's some toy, here's some interaction time, here's a stroke and, and a pat, and, and let's go over here and do this. So although they'd like to go out, it's better to keep them in for their own safety. But she's not unhappy, is she? Hard to tell over the radio, but um, from my point of view, as a behaviour person, um, that I see with cats, usually I see house soiling issues, and yep. that's often, in my opinion, they own, people only ring up about every a week or two, every few months. It's yep. when the tomcats are out and about and roaming, and they're creating a stress outside. The cat yep. wheezes inside to mark its own territory, and so it's actually yes, I think they are, that if she's hiding when she goes out, she is anxious, she is distressed. Pet Chat on 2NURFM at 18 to 1 and Johnny Tillotson with Judy, Judy, Judy. Well, Sarah Farley-Adams joins us at the moment with uh, our Pets of the Week. Oh, good, good morning. No, afternoon. Well done. <laughs> How are we? Look, before I get into our Pet of the Week, I just want to say a big thank you for everyone that has been listening and getting involved. We've had a lot of success. Obviously, we did Scamp, who is the Maltese I've been caring for, and he has found a forever home, which... He goes to on Sunday. Uh, but before that, we featured Marceline, who was our four-and-a-half-month-old female kitten, um, and she has just been adopted as well, and they had so many inquiries after we mentioned her. So a huge thank you. Um, it really is working, and it's wonderful to hear about all these pets being saved and finding their forever homes. So let's look at today's pet. Now, it's the dog of a week. It's time for a dog. We alternate. And it's Footloose that we're looking at today, you can check out Footloose at 2NURFM.com. Also known as Lucy, uh, she is a medium-sized one-year-old with a beautiful short-haired coat and very smooth to touch. She is mostly black and has some fabulous patches of white on the neck and chest. Her paperwork says she's a staffy cross, although if you look at her on our website, her appearance, she more looks like a Kelpie cross sort of whippet. And she is a very special girl. Now, she was born missing a paw, hence the name footloose so that's pretty funny and she has real spirit it hasn't let her you know it hasn't stopped her from running around having fun she is beautiful with kids um, and she's currently in care with a two-year-old so not a problem in fact she loves kids and she would love a home with another dog potentially so she can have the company and play with a good size yard would be fantastic she does like to run around um, she's not much of a chewer either which is very beneficial and a lot of kelpies can be uh, while she's stu still young 
young, she would benefit as well from some training too. So she might be a, a pet you'd like to take her to puppy school. Um, but she's bright, she learns quickly, and she'll make the perfect companion. She's extremely loyal and very gentle. So if you're interested in checking out Footloose, who is missing the paw, she's so cute, please head to 2NURFM.com and that will give you all of the information you need to uh, pursue and, and look into Footloose a little bit more. Pet Chat on 2NURFM now, and Les joins us from Malaboola. And you've got a question about a Kelpie Cross Staffie, is that right? That's right. Um, they're in the afternoon, they're like, it's not ours, it's a daughter's there, but he's here. Um, we sit up there and have a beer in the afternoon, and that and there, and he follows us everywhere. But he lays down in front of us, and he chews the hair off, the, off more or less his shins. And uh, he's as baldy as a badger on him now. So is there anything I can do for it? So chewing the hair off his shins. Well, I'm going to ask Bob, first of all, is it likely that they should check it out with the vet first? Like, would something on the skin be making the dog do that medically? It can be, but if he is sitting relaxing with Les, it's more likely that he would much prefer to be running around a 40-acre property. So when he's sitting down, he's redirecting his frustration to chewing and massaging. And Okay, so therefore, therefore we don't want to interrupt beer o'clock for you. So if he's, if that's the... I would suggest, though, if you could have given him a, a walk or something beforehand... A walk with your dog, even though it's a kelpie, doesn't need to be a long one. If you do walk a few steps, do a sit, do a down, walk a few steps, get the dog to watch you or to do a stay, that sort of mind work will mean that the the dog's brain has been uh, exercised as you've gone out for a walk. When you go to have your your beer o'clock outside, maybe give the dog something to do that's going to make his mind work again, even though you're in, in you know, down mode. Thing, one of my favourite things in the whole wide world is a Kong, which are those um, rubber, the original Kong. It's, so the shape is like a, like a cartoon beehive, and you can buy them just in supermarkets. They're made of durable rubber. And if you pack that with a damp mixture, whether it be like damp dog food or... Um, dampen down some dry food and freeze it while you're having your afternoon refreshments the dog could be working on a frozen kong in fact that could be his dinner so he's got something else to do instead of chew his paws quite likely that paw chewing has become what he associates with that part of the day too there are also some really clever toys that uh, you could put dry food in or dry treats in. A lot of the really clever ones these days, they wobble. So you put a bit of food in, the food sits in the bottom, but the dogs have got to push it and bother it with their paws and work out how to get the food out of it. That also, that would give the dog a little bit more activity rather than lying at your feet. Not that lying at your feet is a bad thing, uh, but lying with a Kong or a job to do is going to redirect him. Right up. Okay, thanks. Okay, good luck. Try those things. And 49216 is the number to ring to get your question through to our pet experts today. And Kevin joins us from Rayworth. Kevin, how Uh, can we help you? Lady, I've got a a neighbour that has a young female Labrador. It's most probably about 18 months old or something. Yep. It It is on heat, but when they go away, 
it just lays, sits, lays under a trampoline and howls, and howls and howls. Now, the, we've never had this trouble, they've never had this trouble before. Why is it doing it? Do you know? If um, if it is howling, there's a number of different reasons. If it is in season, it could be letting dogs know that it's here, but usually right. the, the male dogs will know 10 to 20 kilometres around that it's in season. <laughs> they Fair will enough. smell that. Um, and, but if it's howling when the owners leave or just soon afterwards, it's most likely going to be a separation issue. And right. so it's important that when the owners are there, as Julie was saying before, we need to keep the animal occupied Little yep. five-minute bits of play or a bit of exercise, a short walk, interaction or relationship time. The more yep, we enough. give them that time, then when they're, we're not there, hopefully they're relaxed. Most animals yeah. will actually go to sleep when the people aren't there. So that's why you get the really excited and bouncy animal when you come home. Time to party. It's time to get going. And, yep, and yep. so they – but, yeah, if it's howling, it's, it's missing the, the people, but it needs yeah, to so learn. We didn't know whether it was just because it was on heat or not, and I've been talking to them because it just echoes right through the place. But anyway, I'll go back and have a talk to them about that, and we'll see what we can do. Yep, see if they can keep it a bit busy while they're there so that when they're not there, it's got something else to do. To a new RFM, four minutes away from the one o'clock news, and we're taking your calls. And we have Sandra who's rung in from Chittaway Bay, and you've got a problem you'd like to, you'd like some help with, Sandra. Yes, thanks. How can we help you? Hi, I've just bought some uh, Panoramas tablets. Yep. Um, my dog's got fleas and it uh, counteracts that heartworm as well. Yep. Um, I'm just wondering, I've, I've heard a friend of mine got these um, tablets from the Easter show yesterday and the woman, woman told her um, to give the dog a tablet like this month and then next month and then you could probably lay off them if the fleas subside. And, I, and on the directions, it says give them one if, at the same time every month. Yeah, no, it's important to maintain the treatment because fleas certainly in our lovely um, temperature environment inside the house where we keep the temperature with air conditioning at a normal 21 degrees, ideal flea breeding temperature, mm-hmm. it's important to maintain flea control all year round. So once a month, especially with the heartworm prevention as well, that needs to be once a month because otherwise it doesn't cover to prevent heartworm, which is transmitted by mosquitoes. The other thing in panoramas is for uh, a few of the gut worms, and that mm-hmm. helps to knock out the intermediate stages of the gut worm. So it is very important to maintain flea control. So give it to them once a month, not yes. just two months and then lay off? No, no, keep it up all the time, very important. Oh, okay. So that's kind of prophylactic, is it then, Dr. Prophylactic, prophylactic that it treats mm-hmm. the uh, potential for them to get them back and it kills the larval stage of the flea, so it's less likely to breed. If you see one adult flea, there's a million eggs or larvae around, so very important to maintain the prevention. And fleas are a problem for Ray from Mayfield. Well, perhaps not for you, Ray, but <laughs> for your lab. Yes. Look, I've, I've got a similar question to the previous caller. My dog is an outdoor dog and I live in Mayfield and I understand that the soil in Mayfield um, is, is particularly, you know, um, the, the, the fleas like it, basically. My question is, is there a needle that I could give the dog? Because I've tried the generic sprays and, and whatnot, and he just keeps getting it back, and it's just a, we're not getting anywhere, basically. So I thought of this, is there a needle that, that, that we could give the animal? The problem with fleas is that, as I said, the adults, if there's one adult that you've got and you've seen an adult on the dog, there's so many more millions of eggs or larvae in the environment. So if you're using um, 
easily obtainable products, then they might only kill the adult. They don't interrupt the life cycle of the flea. So you need to use a product, um, as they mentioned before, the Panoramis or something like that, that breaks the cycle of of the flea and it also knocks down the adult. So you need, unfortunately, to go to something a bit more expensive and that works a bit better, otherwise the fleas are just going to keep coming back. So is that a, is that a panoramic and is that a pill, is it? It's a, a tablet. There are applica- applicators that you put on the back of the neck, lots of other brand names that I won't mention on air, but, sure, sure. Um, yeah, go and see your regular vet so they can help you to uh, get that under control. Great. Well, thanks very much. And thank you for your call, Ray. And that brings us almost to the end. Just a quick word on... Did you have something more you wanted to say, Dr. Bob, about... Or Julie, about... Um, well, I, I was just... You can tell me when, when I've said enough. Um, <laughs> puppy cl- puppies. And, and just... I was going to talk about a few misconceptions about puppies. Sometimes people say, oh, I want to get my puppy into training. But when we ask, the dog will be eight months old. And so the first thing that people need to understand is a puppy stops being a puppy behaviourally when it's 18 weeks of age. So that... And in that period of time between eight and 18 weeks when they're generally in our care, we need to expose them to a lot of things in life that will have the most positive effect on them. That So uh, we call it socialisation. So it can be new people, new sounds, new environments, and keeping the dog happy with those environments. Maybe more on that next time. Thank you, Julie Tolliday, and thank you to Dr. Bob. My pleasure. Pet Chat for today. We've got news coming your way on 2NURFM.